live from Mighty Trapdoor Mansion, high atop Tent Hill, it's We Talk Games Video Power Magazine, featuring Frank Hemblin, Horace Pengrove, William Bentley III, with Stinky the Game Master, T.T. Schmootkins, Tishka Honeypot, Alex Greenspan, and Cut Cockbirth! Arcade Weekly. Hi, I am Wiggly. I am part of the We Talk Games crew. In fact, I started We Talk Games, what, like uh, seven years ago or something pretty soon, I think. On the Skype pipe is our New Jersey man. He is Keith the Robo Duke. Good morning and ahoy. (laughs) You sound like Stinky's son. Speaking of Stinky, I'm late because uh, hit me up to fucking... uh, 5 30 in the morning with his snoring oh but uh, then again it, it's it's okay when he snores because then i don't have to keep putting a mirror under his nose yeah you don't have to uh, keep the defib kit close by if, he's, if you can hear him snoring you know yeah. he's, he's, st- he's still good you know he falls asleep reading this life magazine with michael jackson on the cover that's the only thing he ever reads has he finished it yet, or does he just reread it? I, all he does is talk about this ad for Kodachrome, Eastman Kodak film. That's all he talks about. I don't think he read anything else except that advertisement. For Kodak? Yeah, I don't know. In Whatever booth, happened to Kodak moments? Uh, what happened to that? Yeah. Digital? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They still use uh, you know Kodak film in movies and things like this, and uh, of course on your Viewmaster. Oh, yeah. <laughs> In a time machine. I think they released Viewmasters still, but I can't remember who bought them out. Milton Bradley or somebody. Mm. And it's usually the whole kit and caboodle in one that is also binoculars or something else. And, you know, Frozen, some shit like that. Sings songs to you. Yeah, it's bullshit. Speaking about cursing, today's game is fucking awesome. It's made by Universal Playland. You might know them as UPL. <laughs> yeah, Since, very famous company. They went bankrupt in 1992. I don't know too many other games they made. They did make games for the computer and and for um, the video gaming industry. You know, video gaming industry is a billion-dollar-a-year industry, so uh, it's pretty good that they went bankrupt. Listen, this game holds up today, and it was released in 1985. 1985. This would be the game that I would play when I was tired of doing my little stippling artwork, taking a year off after high school to pursue an art career and traveling to California and things like this. Wow. Uh, yeah. And uh, doing a lot more than I was. Well, yeah, because you were, what, negative one? <laughs> I, was, I was three at the time. Oh, were you three? 
You weren't very much of a success then. No, I and I could... actually wasn't uh, even introduced to video games yet at that time. So Wow, what the hell? What are you wasting? Didn't you hear my Wiggly's Book Club a couple uh, weeks ago? I have to just take an aside to talk about that. I read from a book uh, called Turbographic Secrets from 1990, I think, or 91, somewhere around there. The only part I read was this advice to parents and video game playing and how it doesn't lead to juvenile delinquency and all this. And it sounded like I was really shitting on this book, but I loved this book. I loved uh, what the guy brought. And the snarkiness was just because of some of the things I read. I didn't remember that it was like almost all anecdotal. And I heard of a study with no source to cite it. You know, I crapped on all those parts. Well, I didn't crap on. I just, I just drew attention to them. But I absolutely loved that book, and I would use that book constantly as fodder for people that would uh, say, you know, violent video games do this, that, and the other, and etc. My sons don't do this, so therefore, everyone's son does not do this. It's a logical <laughs> fallacy that's wrong, and it's you know anecdotal. So anyway, Penguin Coon Wars. Penguin Wars. You might have to look up Penguin Coon Wars because you know Coon. A lot of games have Coon from Japan, yeah. and uh, not sure really what that means. I guess it's maybe it means kid. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's like small or something like that. It's another you know where we have Mister or Mrs. and right. stuff over here. Over there, they have Kun and San and Chan. Right. And Chan is the very friendly term you would say to someone on the end. You know, I would call you Wiggly Chan if I right. figured you know we were really close. Buddies. I think Kun is more of friend or maybe little because Chibi's little. I'm not I'm right. not sure the exact Kun and San. Of course, is for a, an older person or someone you show more respect to. So I would actually say you're more Wiggly San. I would call you actually. Well, of course you would yeah definitely because <laughs> i'm sort of a dick on this show not as much as i am on the mass video game millionaires however uh, i get close sometimes just don't be a jerk all the time right? no don't be a jerk all the time so this is a penguin coon wars we'll get into it but it's fantastic it's just a brief summary of the game table tennis in an arena on a slate board that doesn't have a net and you dodge ball to the other person and try to get 10 balls on his side or have the most balls by the end of the 32nd sets. It's kind of like a game we played in high school called Bombardment, which was just two teams against each other throwing balls, but this is one-on-one. It reminds me of... Now, what year did Bombardment come out? (laughs) What year? Yeah. Uh, 1996 Okay, so this is 10, 11 years later. Yeah, inspired by Penguin Coon Wars. One of my gym teachers played this a lot in smoky arcades back in the day. But it reminded me of how you would play with a pool table as a kid. You just throw the balls (laughs) around. Yeah. When I was in school, we played fucking uh, scooter soccer. And I don't know if you remember those canisters that you'd put the legs of a piano on to move them, but they were these four wheeled pieces of wood with like a little hole in the middle. And then you'd stick the legs of the piano in there. Incredibly safe. So we're in the gym floor and you know, we're kids and we had this giant soccer ball that was sort of made out of like cloth or something. I don't know what the fuck it was. It wasn't like a medicine. Well, it might've been like a real light medicine ball or something. Mm -hmm. And so you, (laughs) You sat on these canisters that were designed to move pianos. So you held on to the sides and you wheeled yourself around trying to kick this giant ball towards the opponent. So not only are your feet flying around at people, but 
your fingers are like two inches away on each side from running over with your full weight with these hard rubber plasticky wheels. So, you know, very safe. Nothing to do with Penguin Coon Wars. So mm-hmm. Penguin Coon Wars 1985 in the arcade came out for the MSX in the same year and the NES the same year. Came out for Game Boy in 1990, also known as King of the Zoo overseas. Or if you are overseas, then it would be called Unoverseas, I guess. And it featured a modified animal roster because there's nothing like those zoo bats. Yeah, you know, when you go to a zoo and you look at the bats. <laughs> Oh, yeah, all the time. Or the uh, shimmying koalas. <laughs> shimmying I love that. Why, why is that the only thing with an adjective? I don't know. Yeah. And I don't know why in some places I read it says you can choose who you want to be, but it seems in every version I tried, you're always the penguin. Ah, well, I doubt this supported the Game Boy Link, but I could be wrong. That yeah, would be neat if I didn't mention it's first-person perspective, like, uh, you know, a little bit overhead. So you're trying to throw balls at the person at, way down at the other end of this uh, slab. This <laughs> netless ping-pong table. Yeah, right. With little troughs at each end to catch yeah. the balls. Very odd uh, title and gameplay mechanic choices. And also there's uh, bonus levels that are uh, just as bizarre. Oh, yeah. They're, they kind of came out of nowhere. They, it's almost the noise in those bonus levels is just weird video game noises, but it's a quick little uh, pong game, I guess, where your little animals have pinball bumpers just <laughs> strapped to their faces or yeah, something. Yeah, and then bombs. But let's first get into making mechanics. Mm-hmm. And the making mechanics go with something like this. Yeah, Tennis for Two in 1958 for the Donner Model 30 analog computer. If you got one of those in your granny's basement that's uh, climate controlled down to 65 degrees, you will be able to play Tennis for Two. This was, like I mentioned, an analog computer. So that means that you had little switches and gizmos and tubes. It was a side view tennis simulator. A lot of people mentioned Tennis for Two, which is the first video game. It actually wasn't the first. Uh, there were ones before it. In the 40s, uh, 1947, I think, was Missile Emulator. What? Yeah, it was uh, It was called Missile Emulator. And basically, I think it was just a dot on a screen. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember everything about it, but I think that would be the first game. And then there was also uh, something else. And, and then we get into the more well-known ones now. I mean, yeah, we didn't really a, think about this a long time ago. Was Tennis for Two the one that they used to play on, like, the sound wave? Didn't they have ones on those as well they used to make? Oscilloscope type of Oscilloscope. Yeah, yeah. yeah, That's. I was trying to think. So if you don't know what this looked like, it was a side view tennis simulator with the ball arc physics and everything. And it was displayed on an oscilloscope. Each player is a two-player simultaneous game. Had this giant clicky box that had a push switch in the middle. You know, I look like a big muff. Except with only one knob at, at the top. Uh, so I think that's where um, Electro... Come in makes Big Muffin all those in baseballs. Electro thems. Uh, keep screaming at your television. Ain't going to do any good. So uh, you had this big clicky box with the push switch. And then you had this potenti- not, pot- potentiometer knob at the top that you would spin to, I guess, make it go higher or lower. There were no players on the screen. It was just a ball, a net, and this indication of the ground. Mm -hmm. And you would just click it when it came on your side. If the ball bounced a couple times, well, then you had to 
write on a piece of paper, one to nothing. Uh, and it started right back up right away. So you might have needed a third person to be keeping score. But then again, you're probably a geek and you could do that all in your head. And then you were doing pie and everything else like that. So it had an angle with the potentiometer. So it was kind of a neat game. But we're talking about Penguin Wars, which... I'm going to mostly be mentioning ball and paddle games um, because that's the closest thing we're really going to get in these making mechanics. Pong, of course, came out in 1972. 1972, 40 fucking three years ago. I was six and my dad would drive us 50 miles to the ski resort to play this game. Just for the Pong? Yep, just for the Pong. Man, I was uh, negative 10. (laughs) Yes. My fond ski resorts was going to play Tekken 2 in an arcade at a ski resort as a teenager. Oh, my. Oh, my. Yeah, so talk about a difference. And around the same time, a game that's more related to it would be the first air hockey. And that is a physical table, much like your ball tossers. What did you call it? Barrage? Oh, oh, Bombardment. Bombardment. Yeah, which is like a dodgeball game. Uh, Oh, okay. And you use multiple balls. Yes. Okay, I see, I see. Yes, yes, multiple balls, and it is a, it's about eliminating your opponent's team by slamming them with balls, hopefully not in the balls, but if it is, <laughs> Yes, that happens. Oh, yes. And don't aim at the head. That's what the phys ed instructor would always say. Oh, that's what they say, and then you just carelessly <laughs> lob one in the air and see if it lands right on the square of someone's head. Oh, my. Direct assault to the frontal lobe. Like I said, around this time, you had the first air hockey tables. This is somewhat similar, but you're just using one puck, and you're trying to get in. You know, it's like hockey, because it's air hockey. That's why they call it that. Actually developed by the Brunswick Company, the pool table manufacturers. The bonus round reminded me of air hockey a little bit. There you go, because you had the (laughs) pinball. Why do you have... Why you have a pinball bumper, I have no idea. I'm willing to bet that was a sprite or something from another game. And they're like, yeah, Mm. just toss it in there. That'll work. It's a pinball bumper that you wear on top of your animal's head. Yeah. (laughs) And then you try to score air hockey against him, except there's no small net. It's um, it's the entire screen. Yeah. Actually, I want to bring up uh, 1983's Konami's, uh, the good Konami. Not the new evil Konami. Not the evil overlords they've become. My favorite company was Konami. I know. How messed up is that? Now that what it happens? It's happened to too many of the companies from back in the day. I don't know what happened, but I've heard rumors that like who's in control of Konami right now is just a megalomaniac. Well, listen, you could move to slot games, and that's where the money is, and that's where all the pinball manufacturers move. And I'm cool with that if Konami wants to do that. But don't shit on your the projects in development, you know? Yeah. I know they want to keep a couple of the series going, but I don't care. I say, you know, cut it all off. I don't really give a shit, but don't crap on your creators. Yeah, not on your legacy here. Right. Like The stuff people are going to remember are those classic games you made, not your pachinko versions of yeah. those classic games you made. Yeah. Cut the whole development R&D. Fire all those people. I don't care. Don't start laying them off before the projects are finished. Wait till everything's done and you know people can line up good paying jobs in the meantime. And Don't be a dick. They're a dick right now. But uh, I love Konami games. I love Konami in 1983. They came out with Arctic Adventure. And I bring this up, it first came out for the MSX, which I have no idea, in 1983. And 1984 is when I played on the ColecoVision. And it's not a sports game at all, but it features a penguin. And it's a sort of pulled back first-person viewpoint. Plus, 
You will not believe this game is on the ColecoVision. It has gorgeous first-person scrolling. Like, you're going into the screen in a race, and uh, walruses come up. They have to try to jump over and stuff like that. I think you could throw something at them. I, I, don't, I haven't played it in a little while. But this is a game I could go back to at any time because the graphics really work for it. And the fact that you're going into the screen, not choppy like, uh, any of the racing games at that time it's all just so smooth and that comes one year before penguin Wars, so penguins were probably hot at that time everybody was down with the penguins <laughs> they loved the pengies no they're so cute why not i like the one in penguin coon wars he's got his little wiggly tail butt thing going on you get and, to watch and when he wins he turns around and has a big celebration and everything and he's all happy yeah moving forward we uh, <laughs> Moving forward, we had Super Dodgeball 1987 by Nintendo, which was the hot-blooded high school-looking dudes. And they're pretty large, So, but this is a side view. Again, it's sort of three-quarter, but I bring it up to Dodgeball because you can knock people out with this and you give people mini-seizures in the <laughs> Penguin Wars. So, yeah, uh, except you have, uh, also have some super moves, too, in Super Dodgeball. You do. You have great super moves. And speaking of more super moves, well... Before we get to the other super moves, 1989, I have to bring up Ballistics by Cygnosis. I think it was developed by Reflections, but who, I don't know who they are. Cygnosis is who, whose giant name is on it. And, you know, it's They're very the, European. No, the OWL logo, right? right exactly. Yeah. And this was originally released for the Amiga, the Atari ST. But, of course, I played it on TurboGrafx-16. And this is probably the most deceiving box art and splash screen of all time because it's like this demon from the side and he looks like he's going to rip off your head and shit down your throat. There's a demon that happens on screen. It's set up like a horizontal, uh, maybe hockey field from the top looking. It's sort of like a Bill Lambeer's combat basketball. You know, it's sort of like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everyone's so familiar with that because we talk about it every day. It's sort of like boxing for the Atari. So you're top down like that. Oh, I think I might have said horizontal. It's vertical. And it's sort of like a hockey rink. But this giant demon comes down and he like goes, but he's just like a flag girl at the beginning of the thing. And he drops this black puck cannonball into play. And then your two dudes will shoot shitloads of gray pucks at it to try to knock it into the opposing person's net. Oh, so it's, it's, it's Crossfire, the video game. <laughs> it's like that, except you move around, and it looks so horrible. And I remember my one friend that she was Queen CC in the band. She got a TurboGrafx really late, probably when they were, you know, $30, $50. And she had ballistics because the shelves were dry. And she thought it was great because she didn't have any other games. You know, it was sort of like Predator and uh, yeah, and Trojan. Trojan. Yeah, and I had so yeah, that cover man. It's like it looks like you want to play this game because you're like, I'm going to be this awesome lizard guy <laughs> who's gigantic and throws bombs at people and has a sword, and then there's nothing. Yeah, it's nothing like that. It's shooting giant fucking gray balls at a giant black ball that you can barely see what's going on or really have control of the ball or do anything. Just really stupid. Now we're getting into the cooler ball and paddles, but we're almost 10 years out from Penguin Wars. And we have Windjammers by Data East, which came out for the Neo Geo. And I think it most closely resembles the spirit 
of Penguin Wars. Yeah, I was hoping you were going to bring that up. That was something I had thought of as well, was Windjammers. Yeah, that's a game that we might want to talk about in the future. Its its layout is more like Pong, but with musclemen, and you have uh, super moves and frisbees. And besides the Pongy frisbee, there's also a frisbee puck bowling which I love puck bowling. This is set up a little different, but that's what you do with bowling pins and, and everything else, except that you're a dude on what looks like a shuffleboard table in some scenes, but they have different backgrounds. And then there's a dog catch frisbee game as well. Go for broke is what I say about that one. That's a fantastic game. Everybody should go back and visit Windjammers if they ever have a chance. It's one of those future sport that never existed. Right. But but it is all Pong-based so oh, yeah, nothing Pong. new, but you do super moves and you're all oiled up. Your muscles, yeah, and, so and, really, lo- and it looks great. It's just a great, it, it looks game, colorful game. The main game, the main Windjammer uh, Pongy game, is just one screen, so they could go for broke with the graphics. Yeah. Another game you would think came out right at the same time is Battle Flipshot by Visco. And that came out in 1998, though, four years later, and very similar. You have power-ups, your dudes, and you're trying to do the Pong, which was followed by Johnny Capcom, one of our favorite games, Bang Bead. That came out out two years later in the year 2000. And I'm sure there were many more games where you had to have... Less objects or more objects in your opponent to win, and also with that first-person perspective pongy feel, but I just can't think of any. Yeah, I imagine there were probably a lot of places this was just a bonus round or something like that. Yeah, there was that Lynx game. um, It wasn't Glove Ball. That was for the Power Glove. But uh, Jesus, I can't think of anything today because I was up till 5.30. Yeah, freaking God damn stinky. All right, so we have three minutes to go on a show. (laughs) (laughs) How quick can we talk about such a great game where five different types of animals throw balls at each other? It's sort of set up like a ping pong table without a net, and you roll these balls. You sort of feel like you're doing um, skee-ball or something, but you're trying to get all your balls on your opponent's side. There's ten balls. If you do that, you win, or if you have more balls on their side at the end of a 30-second set, you also win. Perfect win? Is that what it says when you yeah, get all you, 10 Yeah, you there? have a perfect win, and my favorite thing it says is anytime you uh, get a perfect win or after a bonus round, it says on the screen, you are excellent player. Yes. Present you with points. Right. <laughs> it is fantastic. Yeah. The whole thing you have to do is you have to stun your opponent if yes. you want to win or you want to get a perfect game. And that's also the downfall of this game is if you or the computer can get the upper hand, you can continually stun them with the ball until all of yours are on their side. As long as you're in a good position towards them and you have balls that can go near them. Now, you could also put some English on the balls, but I had a hard time doing that consistently. Yeah, I couldn't figure out how to throw to the left or the right consistently. Most of the time, they seemed to throw it straight ahead, and then there were points where I wanted to throw it straight ahead, Yeah, you know, kind of pushing to the right to move, and he ends up throwing it to the right, and I missed the koala. God, that fucking koala. Yeah. So these are bracketed rounds, which is kind of neat. You start out at the bottom of the brackets, and the winner um, progresses. Uh, The bonus rounds are also neat. As we mentioned, there's one where you you just have a pinball bumper on your head. 
And that's the first one that you go to. It doesn't matter how many, who has how many, you just score points by getting the balls down to the other end. And they don't throw the balls back at you. In the main game, they throw the balls back at you. Yeah, and this, you just bounce them back and forth. And, and if, if it passes you, it's past you, and it's over. Right. So that's just a score bonus points. Then there's a, a next one where there's holes in the play field. It's bomb a mole. Instead of balls, you have bombs, and you try to throw those at the moles. And they blow off the screen in amazing anime style. Flip end over end uh, sideways doing cartwheels through the air. Even when you get hit by a bomb, the same thing will happen as the penguin right. bounce around the screen. Because yeah. I, think, I think the next bonus round after that is you end up getting a row of five bombs each, and you toss them back and forth. And try to blow each other up. And right. the bombs also show up. I don't know if you ever got a draw game. No. Uh, if you get a draw, say uh, there's five balls on your side and five balls on their yeah. side, uh-huh. it's a tie and it goes to a bonus round real quick where one of the balls is a bomb. Oh, yeah, I did get that. And you fly around the screen yeah, with the eyes really all funny. buggy and wide. It's very Japanese, this game, in its style, which I think makes it even more lovable. Another thing about the game, of course, not one-button wee-wee action. My one thought about the game is it could be improved if perhaps you had a catch button. That if you yeah. timed it correctly, yeah. rather than getting hit, you could grab it and then throw it back, much like you would in a traditional uh, dodgeball game. True. But I think that would take most of the challenge out of it. But then again, they'll throw shitloads of balls at you. And then you throw shitloads of ball back at them because they're like all in a line. Yeah. So that's where the timing comes in when it gets down to the clock. If you don't score a perfect win, it's really a matter of who gets the most lines of coke to uh i mean of balls to throw down to the other person's uh, field and then the balls are bouncing off each other and oh, right. really sporadic in the middle and, and then you get that the- fucking glowing slinky that comes around <laughs> there's the weird little glow worm that goes up and down the middle of the field uh, once the timer i think gets down to below like 30 seconds or 20 seconds which starts bouncing them around and everything Wait, there's you know, 30 the- seconds on the clock i think or is it 60? No, I think it, I think it's 60, and when okay. it reaches 30, I think the little slinky monster comes okay. out. all right. I'm not entirely sure. Either maybe. that or 30 and 15. Either way. Yeah, okay. either way. It's, yeah. And that adds an element of randomness to it all of a sudden. You're trying to line up shots, and the ball can bounce right back at you and hit you. You know, I've had moments where, at the very beginning of the game, we both throw the ball, they ricochet off each other and just fly right back in each other's faces. You know, it's a lot of fun and gets really crazy towards the end. I recommend setting your dip switches to easy though oh i did not oh you did not i set mine to easy and actually made it through yeah and the game gives you the big old ghouls and ghosts fuck you and goes (laughs) we'll do it over again right the slinky monster is forever in the middle of the screen but it starts as like a little white glob of looks kind of jizzy yeah, that's the word I was looking for. And uh, as you hit it, you actually gain points. Now, if you're hitting the thing in the middle, it gives you bonus points, and it starts transforming into the slinky monster, and it starts moving faster. And the more you hit it, then it turns into, it looks like the galaxy, like it's a little black thing with little speckles on it, like a little clump of universe, and that flops around, and then you hit it enough, it turns into a star, and then eventually whoever hits it last gets a big bonus of 10,000 points. So it's a very point-driven game as well as progressing. Sure. There's nothing exactly like this. I don't think. I couldn't think of anything. You have to realize making mechanics is just for my memory. I don't have any type of cross-reference database or anything like that or uh, listen to what people say on uh, wikis or wackies and stuff because I did in the past look at the wikis and I didn't really agree with the games that they were picking. So this is all just 
from my memory and going going down through time of video games. And, you know, that's not easy because there are millions. And that's why this show, Game Choices, will be around long after we're all dead. Because oh, yeah. we could do a game a day and then we'll be through the letter G, and, you know, in like a year. <laughs> yeah, um, maybe. Right. So uh, that's what's awesome about this, too, is that there's so many great arcade games that never made it to America or very limited release or pervert it or whatever. The arcade version of this is the superior one. I gave the Nintendo version a quick little try, but it's much slower and Mm. choppier. The sound isn't nearly as good. I do love the sound effects in this. They evoke just memories of being in all those smoke-filled arcades as a child. Right on walking around and just seeing all these things i just couldn't understand like i just there was no way i could process even what i was playing <laughs> yeah. and this game evokes those feelings especially like the cheering crowd noise yeah. when you went around that's used in like every game right in the arcades that whistling sort of <laughs> yeah yeah i love that noise and that is in this game when you went around that's something that will never leave me that crowd cheering noise right on i love it yeah, this is a great game, great arcade-style game. You can play this at any time. It looks good because they didn't try to overachieve with the graphics. And there's a lot of pretty neat animation. But with that in mind, even though we went really long with the making mechanics, and uh, you know, I like to talk way too much. Hey, me too. I, I, yeah. We <laughs> want to, uh, of course, hit on the new aspect of our program, which is you have to do it instead of Kyle. So hit me with that theme music. Make sure you're following us on Twitter. Oh, yeah. At We Talk Games. Make sure you like us on Facebook. Be sure to also like Giant Media Ball, facebook.com slash Giant Media Ball, and on Twitter at Giant Media Ball. If you subscribe to both We Talk Games RSS feed and Giant Media Balls, double We Talk Games every week for you. Right on. Same episode, but. Well, yeah, but you get two of it. Right. Come on, man. This is great. More is better. More is better. (laughs) Got to get them all. All right, now here comes the time in our show with our new program, Hit It. Win the realms. (laughs) I like your... Game history. It's not lyrical, but are you ready? In the realm of... A video game. No, it's it's just gaming. In the (laughs) realm of gaming history. Not close enough. Did I get it? Yes, same year, 1985. We're going to hit a brick wall because a lot of games came out at the same time. It was a big uh, Cambrian explosion of video games. But the same year, we had Konami's Yi R Kung Fu. Konami also released Gradius. Atari released Paperboy and Gauntlet. Namco had Sky Kid and Baraduke. We talked about that before Alien Sector. Sega brought out Hang On, which had that giant fiberglass crotch rocket that made you look like an idiot in the middle of the arcade playing this little eight inch monitor with the yes. game on it in the handlebars you could also play it in a shenmue on your dreamcast i think that was one of the games oh, in the right. arcade right 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 space harrier also came out that year which also was in shenmue Oh, you're right. I always talk about this sprite-based 3D effect that I love from Sega, and I found out it's called Super Scaler. Nice. Yeah, Space Harry had an analog joystick. There were 
I think there was like a weird version of it where you stood up and something happened. I just can't remember. I think it, it moved a little bit or something. I never played that version of it, but it was an analog stick. So you could actually have force motion the more you pushed it into the foreground or background, what, it, what, it, what have you, forward or backwards. Capcom came out with Ghosts and Goblins. We talked about how that was so bad. So uh, Penguin Wars is closer to an 8-bit or maybe even a 12-bit quality graphic style compared to Space Harrier and Hang On or even ER Kung Fu, which are really up there in the 16-bit graphical power. ER Kung Fu, not as much. However, it has a lot of moves and a lot of backgrounds and a lot of other memory going on there. And I think the original Ghosts and Goblins looked a little 8-bitty too. Console releases, we saw the limited release of the NES in the United States with Rob the Robot. Big console games for that year, Nintendo Super Mario Brothers, which was fucking uh, atomic bomb of games. Duck yeah, Hunt. The revival uh, of uh, console gaming. Definitely, right. Sort of started bringing it out of the pits of hell of uh, E.T. Duck yeah, Hunt. The, yeah, the pits of those holes in the desert <laughs> where they buried E.T. If that's even real. If it's even real. Right. Duck Hunt and Rob the Robot also came out. And Oregon Trail for the Apple II. So that is what happened in the in realm the of gaming history. Gaming history. Now we're way over, but there's also one new part where we give, it's sort of like we used to do one sentence reviews on We Talk Games. This is called Video Game Name Movie Byline Edition. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't think of a name for it. (laughs) X-E squared. Right. What happens is we say the name of the game and then we try to describe what a byline would be for it like a movie has a byline like uh you know escape from new york you can't escape from new york i don't remember what <laughs> i don't re- what's a byline for some movie uh you know oh like like a you will believe a man can fly exactly the byline for superman right so the here's most, mine famous, i'll go think. first penguin wars what's black and white and smashes you in the face with a ball Am I supposed to answer that? No, that's the byline. Oh, that's it. Yeah, that's the tagline. Nice, nice. What, what do you got? Uh, Penguin Coon Wars. Like Air Bud, only good. <laughs> that's pretty good. I like your movie better. I was going to go with uh, You Will Believe Animals Can Throw Balls at Each Other. That's not bad. But I, I'd use that as an example. So but. Right. Great game, though. Go give this a try. And now here's T.T. Schmootkins with next week's We Talk Games Video Power Magazine Arcade Weekly Arcade Game Audio Clue. We shall see. Hello, I am T.T. Schmootkins. Here is next week's We Talk Games Video Power Magazine Arcade Weekly Arcade Game Audio Clue. Good luck, dudes. Well, we barely have uh, time to give our clues. Uh, what's your clue going to be? Because I still got to think of one. Next week's oh, game. Bumper cars of the future. <laughs> uh, mine will be... Oh, boy. I never think of these before the damn show. Moto Rotor Zaxxon. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense, but close enough. I got you on that. Yeah, it's on the front line. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> another little one. Okay, don't be a jerk all the time. We hope you like us. Bye-bye.
Is she really up shit creek? I beg your pardon, what did you say? I'll offer you help. You refuse to take our money. Then I say, I guess you're really up shit creek. Price Jake, take it easy, man. Oh, Jesus Christ! Jesus Christ! Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ.